Welcome, welcome, curious souls, to the Macabre Emporium, your sanctuary for the unusual, the mysterious, and the appalling. Step through our cryptic doorway into a world where secrets whisper and enigmas come to life. I'm David. And I'm Sarah. Together, we're your custodians of the macabre, guiding you through tales that defy the ordinary. Discover the untold stories, from lesser-known cases of true crime to the bizarre events that captivate us. Join us on a journey to the shadows where the mainstream fades and the extraordinary beckons. So whether you seek the bizarre, the eerie, or the chillingly obscure, you're in for a treat here at Macabre Emporium. Welcome back to Macabre Emporium. This is episode 45. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Welcome. So... Even though today is the 8th, tomorrow is my birthday. Yay, you old fucker. Wow, thanks. Love you too. <laughs> You're welcome. So for my birthday, <laughs> my 41st birthday, Sarah's taking me to go see Avatar and Flint this Friday. Yeah. And that's that. Yeah. I mean, other than I've been wanting to see them for like a while now. I know. And you've been wanting to get back to the machine shop, which is why I chose that date. Plus, it's only one of the two nights that ever really works out for us. Yeah. But it seems like this year we've been going to more shows than we have in any other year since we've been together. Yeah. Because we went and saw Reverend Peyton in April or on your birthday, and then we went and saw yeah. Mastodon and Gojira with Lauren Shore in August, and now we're going to this, this, you know, two days from now, and need to still look into that fourth show I want to go to. Which is what? The J.D. McPherson one. Oh. It's a Friday or a Saturday, either in Chicago or Indianapolis. I haven't keep forgetting to look. But anyway... What do you have for us this week, Sarah? Uh, I'm doing something I, that I've never done. What? It's very much not something either of us has done. Okay. Um. Yeah, you'll find out when we get to it. Oh, so you're pulling on me now and not saying no- nothing, huh? You usually always say something. I don't remember you ever not saying <laughs> nothing. Well, I usually be super fucking vague about it. Well, that's as vague as I can get. Mm. <laughs> I'm not telling you shit. You'll find out when you find out, which is in like 10 seconds. Right. What are you doing? Um, A very a story that I'm under a whole lot of fucking pressure, basically, you could say right now, considering the person that this is about liked one of my posts on my face on my Facebook page. So, yeah. So don't fuck it up. Yeah, I know. And that's just <laughs> like I woke up to the notification from them liking. I was like, oh, fuck, we haven't even recorded it yet. Did they know that you were doing an episode no, on them? No, I never messaged them or anything. I just happened to look at the one or two pages on Facebook that comes up about them. And uh-huh. well, I was just like, oh, shit. So I, I can't fuck this fun. up. Cause of, like I was telling Kevin that, you know, if I fuck this up, I'll probably wake up in the middle of the night to a, like, a Danish commando in his fucking 70s standing over my bed about to end my life for fucking a story up. Not a dude in a, in like, no, no skivvies with a fucking Danish. <laughs> not that kind. Oh, well. Not the donut or pastry or whatever it's called. <laughs> but still a dude with no skivvies? I don't know. I... <laughs> not that kind not of commando that, no, either. Not that type of commando either. <laughs> I'm sure you knew that. <laughs> I or did. Anyhow. Oh, so. sticky beans just jumped up on the counter. Mm-hmm. Ready to knock everything off. Are you done, guy? Come on. Nope. He's going to rub on everything. Rubbing all the things. And then fishy butthole up the whole room. At least fishy butthole your mic's standing at mine. Look, <laughs> I can swap these bad boys out real quick. Yeah, sure, okay. Whatever. Yeah. So anyhow, you ready to get started? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So this week, I don't know how I even like stumbled upon this little bit of information, but I was like, huh, okay, we're just going to go with it. Kind of like how I find a lot of stuff. Usually, like, I quote-unquote the really good ones. I just... Your, yours are, like, actual stories. Mine was just a date. Okay. Uh, today is International Tongue Twister Day. So I've decided to go way out of my norm and, you know, see how much my Michigan mush mouth can actually say without fucking up. Yeah. Which and sucks then you're is, you're also going to join in on the fun. Which sucks is your Michigan. Which sucks is that your Michigan mush mouth's kind of rubbed off on me over the years now. <laughs> I know it's rubbed off on D two. It's great. Yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna try some, and then I'm gonna have you try some of them. All right. They, some of them are not easy. I was in here last night saying them to my. Well, I was in here over the weekend. Saying them to myself before I put them in here. All right. I'm like, yep, can't say that. Can't say that. Yep, that's course, going on watch, the list, too. Can't say that. Watch, now that you're under the pressure of recording, you actually can say it perfect. I'll be so mad. So, before we get into, like, my annoyance and giggles, uh, tiny history of how tongue twisters came about. She's stepping on my territory, everybody. So, tongue twisters are spoken word games that are made to make you enunciate and articulate your words properly. According to Wikipedia, I mean, so take this for whatever you take, you know, stock in Wikipedia to begin with. Right. But she sells seashells. Fuck me if it's already starting. (laughs) Uh, Was the first tongue twister to be published, and that was in 1850. All right. The actual term tongue twister didn't come out until 1895. Since then, so many different tongue twisters have come out. Some are just like a word or two that you repeat, you know, three to five times quickly. And you, you know, by the end of it, you're going to say it fucked up. Mm -hmm. And then there's one liners, which I'll do some of those. But then we also have like short story type. And I've got some of those to kind of go over. Those are the real fun ones to read. Okay. (laughs) They're not fun. Um, So, yeah, some places that I saw... So the International Tongue Twister Day is on November 8th, which is today. And then some also said that it was on the 12th, but I saw more 8th than the 12th. Right. So I went with the 8th. If I remember right, there's a website called What Day Is It? That will actually tell you all these goofy little side And it was holidays. a whole bunch of sites like that, and they all had different different dates. Okay. Actually, one of my coworkers, he actually checks that website every day before our shift begins and like hey dave do you know this it's this day today Uh, nope now i do yeah a lot of those pages that have the calendars of like all the international and national holidays Mm -hmm. they all differ little bits oh i'm sure yeah so like i said it was either the 8th or the 12th luckily today is the 8th so i just said fuck it we're doing we're gonna go with 8th all right so for now we'll move on to the bullshittery okay you ready Okay, so these are what they would call one-liners. They're just quick, little... Okay, ready? Yep. (laughs) Because I'm not. (laughs) I slit the sheet, the sheet I slit, and on the slitted sheet I sit. Say it. I slit the sheet, the (laughs) sheet... I slit the sheet, the sheet I slit, and on the other slitted sheet I sit. It makes you want to say shit, right? Yep. That was one of the things that I read, too, is that tongue twisters were kind of made to be vulgar without being vulgar. 
Of course they were. So yeah, there was that one. Then there's like another one liner is a canner can can anything that he can, but a canner can't can a can, can he? Yeah, he can. <laughs> yeah, he can. Uh this one I couldn't. Six sick hicks, nick six slick bricks with picks and sticks. That's fucking difficult. Alright, so you want me to say this? Yeah. Too? Alright. Yeah. Oh me. Adjust my face here because it's giving me double vision with the mic here. Six, six, hicks, nick, six, slick bricks with picks and sticks. You said six, six. Yeah, six, six, hicks, nick, six, slicks, bricks with picks and sticks. Well, fuck you. So another one that I had an extremely hard time with, and I don't know why. Could be the shape of my mouth. I don't know. Uh, He threw three free throws. Okay. Say it. He, Once again, I have to he, be able to read it. He threw three free throws. He threw three free throws. Fuck. That was really hard for me. It's a fucking basketball one and we're Indiana. Come on now. You're. I'm not Indiana native, <laughs> so there's that. Okay. A skunk sat on a stump and thunk the stump. Skunk. Nope. A skunk sat on a stump and thunk the stump. Stunk. But the stump thunk, the skunk stunk. <laughs> You're going to read that one. Here we... All right, just start reading all of them. Here we go. All right. A skunk sat on a stump and thunk the stump stunk, but the stump thunk the skunk stunk. <sighs> this isn't going the way you want it. It is not. <laughs> it's just my mush mouth that's on par And, and the weird thing is she reads more than I do, so I don't know I what's do. going on with this. I paused my book to read here. I paused my book to read here. I paused my book to be here. Yeah. All right. A tutor who tooted the flute tried to teach... No, a, a fluter. <laughs> I, I told you it was going to be me embarrassing myself, so here it goes. A, tu- a tutor who tooted the flute tried to teach two young tutors to toot. Said the two to the tutor, is it harder to toot or to tutor the two tutors to toot? <laughs> That's a lot of twos. Yeah. You're not going to read that one. Why not? Because you don't want me to say it perfectly again? Yeah. So another, they call it a one-liner, but I think it should have been like the, the story type. It's not super long, but it's long enough for me. So it is, Betty bought a bit of butter, but the butter Betty bought was bitter. So Betty bought a better butter, and it was better than the butter Betty bought before. Sure, okay. Yeah. I want you to read this first story type one, though. All right, hold on. This very first story one. Yeah. All right. Seriously, what's wrong with you? (laughs) See, it's not easy. All right. Luke Luck likes lakes. Luke Stucks likes lakes. Luke Luck Licks Lakes. Luke Duck Licks Lakes. Nope. All right, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me give this. Okay, let me try it one more time. Luke Luck Likes Lakes. Luke's, Luke's Ducks Like Lakes. Luke Luck Licks Lakes. Luke's Ducks Licks Lakes. Luck's Duck. All right. Duck takes lakes and lakes luck. Oh, okay, I'm fucking done with this shit. What is going on at this fucking lake? I don't know. Luke, the duck, and the lake can fuck right off. Yeah, and this is turning into, like, almost that guy from Valparaiso with shit going on with fucking ducks in a lake, apparently. (laughs) All right, let let me try this shit. 
Luke Luck likes likes. Luke's duck likes likes. Luke Luck licks likes. Luck's duck lick likes. Licks likes. Duck takes licks in lakes. Luke Luck likes. Luke Luck takes licks in lakes. Duck likes. It's fucking difficult. Yeah. If I had to memorize that, I would not be able to. Nope. All right. So another one. This one's kind of long. Not very long. Kind of long. But it's another story one. It says, to sit in solemn silence in a dark, dark, nope, to sit in solemn silence in a dull, dark dock in a pestilential prison with a lifelong lock, awaiting the sensation of a short, sharp shock from a cheap and chippy chopper on a big black block. Glad I didn't fuck that up. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, okay. (laughs) To sit in solemn silence in a dull, dark dock. In a pestilential prison with a li- with a lifelong lock, awaiting the sensation of a short, sharp shock from a cheap and chippy chopper on a big black block. So you just repeat that. To sit in solemn silence in a dull, dark dock, in a pestilent prison with a lifelong lock, awaiting the sensation of a short, sharp shock. Shop shock. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> and we went to Boston, everybody. <laughs> so next thing I had is practical in the hobby yard. <laughs> God, please anyway, don't. Too late. Please don't. Dirty. Where's my khakis? Uh, I was asking about my pants, actually. Uh-huh. I was. Yeah. All right. So the next one wasn't that terrible, but mm. it, it's, it got me the first time I read it. There was a fisherman named Fisher who fished for fish. No. There was a fisherman named Fisher who fished for some fish in a fissure till a fish with a grin pulled the fisherman in. Now they're fishing the fissure for Fisher. And that fish's name was Old Greg because it had a grin. It. Who are you? I'm Old Greg. Pleased to meet you. Old Greg is not the fish. <laughs> he is now. <laughs> oh, no. But this last one that I put on here, because I know I'm going to fuck it up when I read it. All right. <laughs> and David's, re- David's looking at it on oh, his I've, end. I already saw the first five words and I already know it's yeah. going to happen. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Am I ready? Uh-uh. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. I'm a mother pheasant plucker. I pluck mother pheasants. I'm the most pleasant motherfucker. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the most pleasant mother pheasant plucker to ever pluck a mother pheasant. I'm not the pleasant. Nope. I'm not the pheasant plucker. I'm in the pheasant (laughs) pheasant plucker's wife. I've been plucking mother pheasants my whole peasant life. Oh, hell. You do that one. All right. I'm a mother peasant plucker. I pluck mother pheasants. No, Yeah, that was right. All right. Well, you started with peasant. All right. I'm a mother pheasant plucker. I pluck mother pheasants. I'm the most pleasant mother pheasant plucker to ever pluck a mother pheasant. I'm not the pheasant plucker. I'm the pheasant plucker's wife. (laughs) I've been plucking mother pheasants my peasant life. Motherfucker! That's over that bullshit. Anyhow. And that's that's why I did this. Because it was just stupid and fun. Yeah. But that's it for me. (laughs) I couldn't... Yeah, I was very tired this weekend. Yeah, she, like... Went to bed at... um, Let's see. On Friday night, I went to bed at 10.30. 
woke up Saturday afternoon at 1.30. Yeah, I was very tired and didn't have motivation to do anything. So when I saw this, and again, I don't know where I found it, how I found it, pop up, I was just like, fuck it, that's what we're doing. Right? I mean, some of my better topic suggestions just happen to drop in my lap, because I tell you just the title about it, and you're like, yeah, okay, what the fuck is that? So yeah, that's that's that was me. What yeah. about, what do you got? Oh, you know, just probably the most stressful story for me right now, because this person's still alive. Sweet, and could possibly listen, yep. now that you've put yourself on his radar. Yeah. Way to go, chap. I didn't think that it was going to happen, like what I said earlier <laughs> at the beginning of this episode about what I saw this morning when I woke up and got on Facebook. You know? Yeah, that's what you were saying. It's like, oh, fuck. So, yeah. what what is All it right. exactly? So, this is a, a, the tale, like, yeah, not tale, it's more of, well, it's a me, tell my version of my own, own words of Helgi Meyer from Germany. Okay. He was also nicknamed God's Rambo. God's Rambo. So, yeah, we had our fun. This gets more serious since he was in the military and this coming Saturday is Veterans Day. That's why I selected this story for this week. Yeah. So. For a moment, let's all imagine it's 1991 here in the United States. Terminator 2 Judgment Day is in the theaters along with Robin Hood starring Kevin Costner. And you just got home from dinner at Pizza Hut after you just cashed in your latest book it reward. And the Simpsons have taken over the airways on Sunday night television. Metallica released their out Black album. Every couple has made a Brian Adams song, I Do It For You, their, you know, their song. Life is going great here in the United States. However, in war-torn Yugoslavia, thousands of people are left without basic needs, a warm place to stay, or life-saving medicine. With their desperate pleas to God in their prayers, for relief as the sound of war becomes all too familiar. But maybe, just maybe, sometimes the night is quiet enough, but instead of distant gunfire and bombings, breaking the silence, the sound of a supercharged engine and tires squealing pierce the night. Even though, on the other side of things between soldiers and bandits hearing the roar of a mechanical beast breaking the night, they strain their eyes to see anything identifiable as the sound comes closer. Soldiers check radar and infrared sensors for any blips on the screen, but it shows nothing. The bandit's adrenaline begins to surge as the sound becomes louder as it approaches at a fevered pace. And just as fast as it appears, it's gone in a flash. But there would be no flash, as this beast has no lights except maybe the flicker of light from a lighter from inside and a rubber duck in the grill as it races by soldiers and bandits to its destination. They didn't have a supernatural encounter. This was God's Rambo and its ghost Camaro, Helgi Meyer. Before we meet Helgig first, we need to understand what was going on in the Balkans at this time. From World War II to the 1980s, the Republic states of Serbia, Croatia, Montenegro, Slovenia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and Macedonia made up the now former country Yugoslavia, and under its dictatorship of Josip Broz Tito until he died on May 4, 1980. After his death, this would be considered the beginning of the end for Yugoslavia. By 1991, Croatia, Slovenia, and Macedonia declared their independence from the country. But Macedonia was allowed to leave peacefully, but Croatia and Slovenia would have to fight for their independence. Serbia and Montenegro wanted to become the successor of Yugoslavia, as they held the most power and military might that made up the Yugoslavian army, and these two countries didn't want to let go of that power or have independent states. When Bosnia and Herzegovina declared their independence, the population was split on this choice. One half wanted to stay part of Yugoslavia under the control of Serbia, while the others wanted their independence, causing them to break out in civil war. 
At first, aid was being supplied to those by the UN and other countries by trucks, but trucks are slow and easy targets for bandits and the opposing forces. So they were either robbed or blown up, and eventually these trucks would stop coming for those that needed, a, needed the help. Seeing the Balkans broke out in war, Helgi Meyer was left speechless by those dying in those conflicts. Especially the children and the elderly, he felt compelled to do something as he learned aid was not being rendered to those who needed it, as it was deemed too dangerous to keep sending trucks into the war zones. He wanted to help those in need after seeing what was going on and turned to other European nations for help first, and one by one, they turned him away until he made the decision to try his luck with the United States military. Helgi would then travel to Rhine Main Air Force Base located in Frankfurt, Germany. Here, he would meet the Army commander of the base, and at, which at the time I couldn't find a name for the, the commander. Mm -hmm. And he suggested, ascending the slow trucks, they need to send something light, fast, and stealthy. With the U.S. Army on board with his plan, he would end up using his 1979 Camaro he bought from, the US, from a U.S. serviceman in 1986 and got to work on his ghost Camaro. I thought it was a cool car, and it sounded good when I bought it in 1986. V8 has something soothing about it. My wife always hated it like the plague. Carl was to blame for the fact that I was never home and that she never knew where I was, he would recall in an interview later in his life. <laughs> it's just boys and their toys, man. With either the help of the U.S. Army or Air Force engineers, the sources varied on which branch of our military it was, they ended up stripping down his 1979 Camaro down to just nothing. The bare metal frame, for the most part, you had to reduce all that weight because of all the weight they're getting ready to add to this car. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming with, like, armor shell. No, it'll get to it. <clears throat> I have a list of what the things that they'd added to his car oh, here. okay. So after stripping it down, they removed all exterior lighting except for the regular headlights at one point, and then would end up turning his Camaro to be like a real world version of Kit from Knight Rider. Oh. So they added Kevlar and steel plating to the body, the back window, and the underbody of his car, and put Kevlar, Kevlar inserts inside the doors as well. This stop bullet fire, you know, yeah. Kevlar's for right? Yeah. Okay, I figured you. That's what they make like the bolt yes. vests out of. Yeah. They also ended up modifying the stock V8 engine with a blower so it gets more air going into the engine to create more horsepower and nitrous, and nitrous oxide to increase the horsepower to 440 whenever he needed oh. to get out of the pinch real fast. Um, yeah. The pictures of this car when it was first done and then to what it looks like now. So some of these, mod these modifications came along the way. Like this next one, it wasn't there at first, at least in some of the pictures I could see, but towards the end it was there. Mm -hmm. They added an iron mine clearing blade in front of the car. So there's just this giant V-shape so he can push vehicle, anti-vehicle mines out of his way if he needed to or any other debris that was in his way. <clears throat> Both of the side windows were completely blacked out. They put run flat tires on this Camaro, so if he ran over anything sharp, he can continue going on no matter what. So, like, literally, almost nothing could probably stop this car. Damn. I'm still not done yet. <laughs> There's still more. So, it has the name Ghost Camaro. It's painted black, but it was also painted in a very special type of black paint. This black paint you technically can't even, we can't buy. This is the same black paint that they use on the F-117A Stealth Fighters and Bombers. Oh, okay. So this would make his car completely or almost invisible to radar because that paint is specially designed to absorb radio, the radar, or deflect it off of the body itself. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So he wouldn't be able, he wouldn't be seen by anything. He would only be seen by the actual naked eye more than anything else. Right, but no radars would detect you know. him. Damn. 
They would also install military-grade GPS at the time, thermal body heat detection. They also installed a fire suppression system. They gave him night vision, infrared headlights, which you can't see, but he can see with using mm-hmm. night vision goggles and such, which he tried it once, didn't care for it. Said it made him feel dizzy for hours afterwards after driving with those on. Yeah, probably like doing VR in a headset. Mm-hmm. He also had high-frequency radios for ground-to-air communication to aircraft for air support or help the U.S. military with any of the runs while in Bosnia. And a yellow rubber ducky in the front grill just for fun, basically. I mean, that was the coolest part of the car. I mean, the whole car's cool itself. It's a real-life Knight Rider car. But the rubber ducky, though. Yeah. And even to keep his, his route and his destinations a secret, the Americans did draw the fastest route in and out of Germany to Bosnia from the Air Force Base where he ran most of it. He did most of his runs out of. Uh, you could only see his route with an infrared lamp of some sort, so it would only show up. So think like a black light revealing a hidden message. Mm-hmm. So this would be if, for whatever worst-case scenario, his route back to that he was taking wouldn't be discovered if this map fell into somebody else's hands. They would just see this map, just probably discarded as trash. Now, with his car outfitted to make these supply runs, and with a little testing with a beefed-up engine in the NAS, Helgi would also be able to reach a top speed of 125 miles per hour while carrying 880 pounds of supplies in the car. Damn. I can only imagine how much faster the car would be completely empty. Because, I mean, it's stripped down to be like almost a race car at this point. Yeah. With no interior seating other than... His seat. The the two front seats were left in it. Later, the pictures that I see now, I couldn't really see any during his runs, but the pictures now, it still shows both front seats. Maybe they were both in there. I can't tell. But still, I just imagine how fast this car could have gone completely empty. Probably much faster than 125 miles an hour. Elgie Myers wouldn't carry any guns with him in the car. But just his faith, his Bible, and his knowledge of the roads were his weapon, even though he did carry a pair of combat knives and a tomahawk in case he had to actually defend himself. He also did carry a Muslim a Muslim Quran, as he put it, for tactical purposes. Tactical purposes? Yes, Bosnia was a split population between Christianity and Muslim, of those of the Muslim yeah. faith. So it could probably, in case of whatever he had to be in... Is what he'd carry. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, he always carried his own personal Bible, and this is, like, his Bible's, like, super thick. It looks like a dictionary, basically. Yeah. Best way to put it, in which he still has it. It's taped together, but he still has it. The servicemen of Ryan Main Air Force Base also did raise an, raise an additional $12,000, coming up to $26,139 today in 2023, to buy additional supplies for people of Bosnia. It was brought up in one of the videos that I did watch that even Lego got involved and donated their famous blocks for him to deliver to children in Bosnia as well. Aww. Some of the items that he would carry into Bosnia, other than like the Legos I just mentioned, food and water, toys for children, medicine and other medical supplies, sanitary supplies like soap, shampoo, yeah, you know, all your basic necessities to keep yourself clean. Yeah, probably like feminine hygiene products yep. and all that kind of stuff too. Yep, clothing and diapers as well. Now, Helgi Meyer wasn't just a man wearing his heart on his, on his sleeve for the children and the elderly of Bosnia-Herzegovina. Meyer was actually a former Danish Special Forces soldier known as part of the Jaeger Corps, which is the equivalent to our country's Special Forces or Delta Force. Okay. He was also had extensive training in guerrilla warfare, which he credits a lot of that to his survival during his runs. And he also trained along with the Green Berets of the United States Army, and he also served during the Desert Storm conflict in early 
in early nineties. Okay. So he's got so he's, he's got, got some some history under his belt. Yeah. Helgi Meyer was also a deep, deeply religious man. Before his first run into Bosnia, he made an agreement with God. He asked for his assistance and promised that if he made it out safely and made sure that the car made it out without any problems, he would paint the pages of his Bible gold in the margins. And as he did, there's pictures that I've posted of his Bible where it's the margins are filled in with gold paint that he painted with after each run that he, he huh. finished. And the base, air base chaplain finding about his faith, he would give him the nickname God's Rambo. Sources varied that it was three to four years that he made these runs. It didn't equal out to which one was the, you know, the higher, more accurate number. Mm -hmm. So three to four years, I'm going to say for the most part that he would make these runs out of in and out of Bosnia for those that needed it. While wearing studded fingerless gloves and a cigar hanging out of his mouth, he would say the gloves were good to drive in and to look dangerous as well. That's the exact effect a weaponless one-man army needed in enemy land. Huh. It was about looking wild. No one dared to lay a finger on me, and it worked for the most part. On one of these runs, Helgi did end up getting taken hostage at a checkpoint. And as there was a bounty on his head at the time at the tune of $250,000 after Serbian fighter jets were shot down in a no-fly zone after he was spotted near the line. Even though he did have the radio communications for air support, he had no involvement with these jets being shot down. Now being held at gunpoint in his own car with no gun of his own, Helgi knocks the gun from the unwanted passenger's hand with his elbow, then hits him in the neck to make his breathing difficult, and then goes to punch him in the face and knock him unconscious. Well, with the advantage of having that back window blacked out, the people that were holding him captive were actually escorting him in front and behind his car, and they couldn't see what was going on from what was going on inside the car. Yeah. So now, no longer being held captive in his own car at this point, he then turns off his brake lights, spins around his car in a J-turn, and then speeds off using his NAS. I threw Joe off a little bit later in a ditch. He wasn't dead, I think, but I just had to leave him and figured that his friends would find him soon enough. I mean, yeah. Even with that bounty on his head, he did end up taking a few shots as well. He would wear an infrared detector on his chest that would go off if he was in the line of sight of snipers, along with a Kevlar helmet while driving. In some of the sources I used, he showed off the helmet he wore that still had a bullet still lodged into it. No way. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's crazy. But also when he would actually make it to where he was, he would stop, change out of his military clothes and get into regular street clothes so he wouldn't scare the smaller children of Bosnia when he's, you know, dropping these supplies off. Yeah. I mean, that's understandable. But... There was one moment in 1994 he would recall in his autobiography in Veris that moved him deeply. In the middle of the ruins, I examined the surrounding area with my detector, which reacts to body heat. It displayed body heat in the opposite ruins. I saw a candlelight through the boarded-up door. I knocked, and that candle went out immediately. After knocking again and saying, Mr. Meyer, U.S. Army, an old man opened the door and asked me inside. A young woman was present with her newborn baby. Everyone was dirty and clearly malnourished, and I got soap, water, food, and baby food for my Camaro. The young mother washed herself off, and her child gave the newborn something to eat. We sat around the candle silent for a while. The old man read carefully in his Quran, and I in my Bible, which is my constant companion. Then I pulled back into my car. I was about to slip into my sleeping bag when someone knocked on my window. It was the young woman who put her baby on my bare chest. I will never forget this moving moment in my life. The Bosnian Civil War would come to an end on December 14, 1995, after the signing of the Dayton Agreement at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, in November of that same year. 
A Dayton agreement was signed to promote peace and stability in Bosnia-Herzegovina and to endorse regional balance in, in and around former Yugoslavia. The Bosnian Civil War would claim the lives of over 100,000 people. Damn. Helgi would make 160 trips in and out of Bosnia from Germany. He would single-handedly deliver $3 million worth of emergency aid to the civilians of war-torn Bosnia. The total number of people, or the exact number of tonnage he moved on his own, is unknown, but he did earn the respect of all the nations of NATO and was awarded multiple citations for his efforts. Helgi Meyer still owns the Camaro today, and it was painted orange at one point, but is back to his original matte black and has put over 100,000 miles on the car. He also updates his Facebook page regularly with videos and other media types that covers his story, and leaves comments as well on YouTube videos from what I have seen. One of the YouTube comments I saw while doing my research for this story was, I have family who are from various in Bosnia. They always told the stories about an American bringing them food, water, clothes, and medicine in a fast, dark car, usually at night. Now I guess I know he wasn't an American. Thank you, Helgi Meyer, for helping out those in need of help. I wish there were more people like you. Aww. And to bring the story of God's Rambo to a close, I want to end it in with his own words from an interview he did in 2018 to a Danish newspaper. I want to tell you that it is useful to do something, even if you are alone and the circumstances are fatal and you don't have to drive a Camaro into a war zone filled with medicine and toys for children. I would do that because I had the military training and my special connections. It was about helping out on a daily basis down to the smallest thing. We can all do something to help others. Agreed. So. That was a good little story. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That was good. Yeah. One of the other things that did come up that I forgot to put in my normal line of things that I just now remember as we sit here recording this, there was one time he actually had to use a special system in his car that created like a smoke screen. I think it was part of the fire suppression system uh-huh. that he was being targeted by tanks. So he created a smoke screen of sorts to make it look like as if he had engine failure and it happened oh, to work so he could get away. And it worked? Mm-hmm. Wow. And another thing that he did, there was one hill he was trying to climb in his car, and it kept stalling halfway up. So he took it as a sign from God that he needed to stay where he was and waited out a night. And then the next day, didn't have a single problem. Huh. Trying to traverse that same hill. That's crazy. So. That was a good story. Mm-hmm. The good. feels were in that one. Yeah. People doing good. Yeah. So I thought it was time to bring a positive good story, I guess, instead of murder or whatever. Doom and gloom. Doom and gloom. I mean, even though you kind of can say the attack of the dead men of Osovich was kind of a feel-good story for those that were able to rise back and fight oh, yeah. fight back. Yeah, definitely. Go out on their own terms instead. Yes. Not just lay there and mm-hmm. wait. Agreed. That was a good story. <laughs> you feeling alright over there? Yeah, that was a good story. Taking the medicines and the foods and the toys to the chitlins. Yeah. Put me in the field. It's time to go. <laughs> All right. As Sarah said, it's time for us to go. So obviously she wants to close the Emporium up for the day before I can even get it out of my mouth. Uh-huh. So I know she already agrees. Agreed. <laughs> so until next time. Remember to creep it real. And be kind to yep. one another. Even Pay it forward. Yep. Do good. Be the good in the world that you want to see. That's all. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. Please go and check out our website at macabemporiumpodcast.com. Join our Facebook group by searching Macabre Emporium. Like and subscribe on YouTube at Macabre Emporium Podcast. 
Follow us on TikTok at Macabre Emporium Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Macabre Emporium. If you have any stories of the paranormal, your local true crime or weird history that you would like us to look into and possibly do an episode on, email us at macabreemporiumpod at gmail.com. And remember to follow, rate, review, and share whenever and wherever you can to help us grow our podcast. 